Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the year 2021. I trust and have faith that this year is going to show itself fruitful for all of us, whether we need improved health, finances, relationships, uh, relationships with people, relationships with our God, uh, wherever it is that we need areas to grow and prosper in, I pray that that be the case in this year, 2021. Uh, we're going to get started here and uh, pick up where we left off, which is in Jeremiah chapter 35. And the uh, section title says, The Rechabites Example. This is an interesting example. It says in verse 2, uh, this is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah, or speaking to Jeremiah right now. Uh, Go to the house of the Rechabites, speak to them, and bring them one of the chambers, and bring them to one of the chambers of the temple of the Lord to offer them a drink of wine. So he said, Go into this group of people, bring them back, and offer them a drink of wine. And so that's what Jeremiah did. And it says in verse 5, I set uh, jars filled with wine and some cups before the sons of the house of the Rechabites and said to them, drink wine. Verse 6, but they replied, we do not drink wine. For Jonadab, son of our ancestor Rechab, commanded you and your descendants, and your descendants must never drink wine. In verse 8 it says, we have obeyed Jonadab, son of our ancestor Rechab, in all he commanded us, so we haven't drunk wine our whole life. We, our wives, our sons, and our daughters, none of us have. He says, this is what we were commanded by our ancestors, and we are going to uh, be obedient to what our ancestors told us. And so, you know, I, sometimes I wonder if the uh, Rechabites knew who Jeremiah was. I wonder if they knew, knew he was a prophet of the Lord. And so uh, if, if Jeremiah was saying do this, uh, it could be construed that he was being told this uh, to tell the Rechabites this, and they're essentially defying the Lord. <laughs> but that's not how it was. Anyway, in verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. He says, go say to the men of Judah and the residents of Jerusalem, will you not accept discipline by listening to my words? This is the Lord's declaration. Now, that's interesting. We were talking about the Rechabites and, drink, and drinking wine in the temple or in the church, as we would call it today. It's still called the temple in Jewish um, culture. <laughs> and so... The Lord switches, though. He starts talking about the men of Judah. In verse, in verse 14, it says, The words of Jonadab, son of Rechab, have been carried out. He commanded his descendants not to drink wine, and they have not drunk to this day because they have obeyed their ancestors' command. But I have spoken to you time and time again, and you have, have not obeyed me. So again, this is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is telling the men of Judah, he says, Look, with the Rechabites, their ancestors said, don't do this, and they're following it. They're abiding by it. But I, but I have told you time and time again what to do and what not to do, and you have not obeyed me. <clears throat> and so let's uh, drop down to verse 17. And it says, therefore, this is the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of armies, uh, excuse me. Yeah, the God of armies, the God of Israel says, I will certainly bring on Judah and on all the residents of Jerusalem all the disaster I have pronounced against them because they have because I have spoken to them, but they have not obeyed. And I have called to them, but they did not answer. But to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. Because you have obeyed, because you've been obedient, 
the command of your ancestor Jonadab, and have kept all his commands, and have done everything he commanded you. See, because you have obeyed the command of your ancestors. This was saying, you know, but the emphasis I'm giving it is because you have obeyed. Because you have obeyed the command of your ancestor Jonadab. This is what the Lord uh, of armies, the God of Israel, says. Jonadab, son of Rechab, will never fail to have a man to stand before me. See, the Lord is saying, uh, Jonadab, uh, son of Rechab, will never have anybody in his line of descendants. Nobody will ever fail to have a man to stand before me. And he puts on the end always. You'll always have a man stand before me because your ancestors were obedient to, to the command that they were given. See, so we see how uh, critical obedience is to the Lord. See? It says in more than a few uh, places in the Bible, you know, obedience is preferable to sacrifice. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. See? So the Lord is looking for obedience. He always has. Let's go to chapter 36. It says, Jeremiah dictates a scroll. And then it says in verse 2, Take a scroll, this is the Lord talking to Jeremiah, take a scroll and write on it all the words I have spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah, and all the nations from the time I first spoke to you during um, Josiah's reign until today. So that's a, <laughs> that's a lot of word, right? Because we've already seen, we've been going through uh, uh, Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah here, and so we see that the Lord has told Jeremiah a lot of words, and so he's telling him to take all of that and write it down. And then it says in verse three, perhaps when the house of Judah hears, uh, perhaps when the house of Judah hears about all the disaster I am planning to bring on them, each one of them will turn from his evil way. Then I will forgive their inequity and their sin. And so uh, we see as he's going through the prophecy in different times, um, many times Jeremiah is prophesying the same thing. You know, he may be using a few different words, but he's prophesying the same thing. And so the Lord is saying, you know, write all of this down. In verse 4, so Jeremiah summoned Barak, or Barak, I should say, um, son of Nehemiah, no, son of Neriah, and so I don't know who these people are, but he summoned Barak, son of uh, Neriah. At Jeremiah's dictation, Barak wrote uh, on a scroll all the words the Lord had spoken to Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah's dictating, and Barak, uh, I'm just going to say Barak. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, and so Barak is just, he's a scribe. So he's writing everything down that Jeremiah says. And then it says in verse 5, Then Jeremiah commanded Barak, I am restricted. I cannot enter the temple of the Lord. So you must go and read from the scroll which you wrote at my uh, dictation. The words of the Lord in the hearing of the people at the temple of the Lord uh, on a day of fasting. So he sent a Barak, a Barak to the temple of the Lord on the day of fasting when it's going to be packed with people. And he says, read out, you know, what I have dictated to you. Read the words in the hearing of all the Judeans who are coming from their cities. And so in the day of fasting, they're coming from all over the place. And so the temple and the temple grounds, we can assume, are going to be packed. And so this is what Jeremiah wants, and that's what Barak is to do. The next section says, uh, Barak reads the scroll. Verse 10. Then at the Lord's temple, Barak read Jeremiah's words from the scroll. And so he went there and he read uh, what Jeremiah had dictated to him. Verse 14, then all the officials sent word to Barak. 
bring the scroll that you read in the hearing of the people and come. So Barak, son of uh, Neriah, uh, took the scroll and went to them. They said to him, sit down and read it in our hearing. So Barak read it uh, in their hearing. And so he, all the officials, not all the officials were there in the first reading. And so they summoned him and said, come on, we, we, we want to have our cadre of uh, officials make sure that we, we get it you know, straight from the horse's mouth. And so we want you to come here and read the scroll. So that's what he did. And it says, when they had heard all the words, they turned to each other in fear. And they said to Barak, we must surely tell the king all these things. And so they were actually responding in reverence to the prophecy on the scroll. But the king had a different response. In verse 19, it says, the official said, uh, the, the title here says, uh, Jehoiakim burns the scroll. So the, Jehoiakim is the king at this time. And it says, the official sent to Barak, um, or said to Barak, you and Jeremiah must hide and tell no one where you are, because they were afraid. See, they were afraid of the Lord. They knew that Jeremiah and Barak were uh, emissaries of the Lord, and they didn't want anything to happen to them. And they didn't know how the king was going to react. So they said, you, you got to hide. In verse 20, it says, Then after depositing the scroll in the chamber of um, Elijah, the scribe, the officials came to the king at the courtyard and reported everything in the hearing of the king. The king sent Jehudi uh, to get the scroll. So, um, so what happened was, uh, well, let me back up. So they put the, the, the officials took the scroll from Barak and they put it away. Okay, And the officials went to the king at the courtyard and reported to him what they heard. So then the king sent an emissary, Jehudi, to get the scroll. And verse 23, and verse 23, in verse 23, as soon as Jehudi um, would read three or four columns, Jehoiakim would cut the scroll with the scribe's knife and throw the columns into the fire in the hearth until the entire scroll was consumed by the fire in the hearth. And so uh, Jehudi would read three or four columns, and Jehoiakim the king would take it, cut it off, take that uh, paper, throw it in the fire. He'd read another three or four columns, he'd do the same thing until the entire thing was consumed. Verse 26, then the king commanded, uh, was it, Jeremiah, uh, the king's son, so he commanded his own son to seize the scribe Barak and the prophet Jeremiah, but the Lord hid them. So he sent his son to seize them, but they couldn't find them. And then the next section says, Jeremiah dictates another scroll. So the king burned the first one, but God is going to command Jeremiah to make another one. It says in verse 28, take another scroll and once again, write on it the original words that were on the original scroll that King uh, Jehoiakim of Judah burned. You are to proclaim concerning King Jehoiakim of Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have burned the scroll asking, why have you written on it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause it to be without people or animals? And so, you know, Jehoiakim is saying to, to, to uh, Jeremiah, or I should say that the, the Lord is telling Jeremiah what to say to Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim burned the thing because he didn't like what it said. And it says in verse 30, therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning King Jehoiakim of Judah. He will have no one to sit on David's throne and his corpse will be thrown out to be exposed to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. <laughs> 
Verse 31, I will punish him, his descendants, and his officers for their inequity. I will bring on them, I will bring on them, on the residents of Jerusalem, and on the people of Judah, all the disaster which I warned them about, but they did not listen. <clears throat> so that is what uh, Jeremiah is to say uh, to Jehoiakim and what's going to come about with regard to him. We go on to chapter 37. And the section title says, um, Jerusalem's Last Days. And so it says here in verse 3, King Zedekiah sent uh, Jehoiakim yeah, and Zephaniah to the prophet Jeremiah requesting, please pray for the, king, for the Lord our God on our behalf. And so Zedekiah sends a couple emissaries to Jeremiah and says, uh, uh, Please pray for, but uh, please pray to the Lord our God on our behalf. What we see here, Jedekiah is an interesting king, because he didn't listen to the Lord, but he wanted to hear what Jeremiah had to say, and so he he didn't want to do what the Lord was commanding him to do, but he knew that Jeremiah was a real prophet of the Lord because he wanted to hear what he had to say. It says in verse four. Jeremiah was going out about his daily tasks among the people, for he had not yet been put into prison. So we see that Jeremiah is going to be in prison. In verse 5, uh, Pharaoh's army had left Egypt when the Chaldeans, or the Babylonians, uh, who were besieging J Jerusalem, heard the report. Uh, they withdrew from Jerusalem. And so uh, the Babylonian army, uh, the Chaldeans, were seizing, in the process of seizing Jerusalem, but then they heard that the Egyptian army had left Egypt. And so they said, okay, we need to go confront these guys. So they left Jerusalem to go confront uh, Egypt. Now, if you were Zedekiah or, or his officials or people in Jerusalem, you could be thinking, yeah, see, the Lord wasn't going to destroy us. He turned around this army. Let's, let's keep reading. Verse 6, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. This is what you are to say to Judah's king who is sending you uh, to inquire of me. Watch. Pharaoh's army, which has come out to help you, is going to turn, uh, is going to return to its own land of Egypt. And so, what what the uh, what God is telling Jeremiah to tell Zedekiah, He says, "You're having faith in the army of Egypt, but they're going to turn around and go back home, <laughs> and then the Chaldeans are going to come back." And then it says in verse eight, "The Chaldeans will return and fight against this city. They will capture it and burn it." And so, you know, you could imagine that Zedekiah was feeling good about the army leaving to go confront the Egyptians, because I guess they had some kind of uh, treaty, some kind of deal with the Egyptians. But the Egyptians are going to turn around and go back home, and then the Chaldeans are going to come back. <clears throat> so it's not going to help them. The next section says Jeremiah's imprisonment. It says, when the Chaldean army withdrew from Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah started to leave Jerusalem to go to the land of Benjamin to claim his portion there among the people. Remember, he had bought, you know, property from his cousin. And so he's leaving Jerusalem to go claim his, his territory, his land. <clears throat> Verse 13, but when he was at the Benjamin, the Benjamin gate, an officer of the guard was there and he apprehended uh, the prophet Jeremiah saying, you are defecting to the Chaldeans. And so they're thinking that, this guy who's prophesied all this bad stuff is now leaving, you know, defecting. And no, we ain't having this, <laughs> you know. And so Jeremiah says, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to get my land. 
It says in verse 15, the officials were angry at Jeremiah and beat him and placed him in jail. Verse 16, so Jeremiah went into the cell, uh, into a cell in the dungeon and stayed there many days. The next section says Jeremiah is summoned by Zedekiah. So uh, in uh, verse 17, King Zedekiah later sent for him and received him and in his um, and in his house privately asked him, is there a word from the Lord? And so the king (coughs) privately sends for um, um, Jeremiah to come. You know, we got some business to take care of. So he, he basically gets him out of jail and brings him to his private residence. And then he says, is there a word of the Lord for me? So we, again, we can see that Zedekiah really has reverence for this word, even though he doesn't follow it. So it's kind of confusing. You know, Why are, are you so into this word and want to know what the word of the Lord is, but you're not going to do anything about it? And then it says, uh, Jeremiah responded, there is. Jeremiah responded. He continued, you will be handed over to the king of Babylon. <laughs> so we see that Zedekiah has gotten uh, Jeremiah out of jail to come to his private residence to give him a word for, from the Lord. So you think, okay, maybe he has some gratitude and he's grateful that he's out of jail and that the king has summoned him. But then what does he tell him? You will be handed over to the king of Babylon. <laughs> so obviously he's not telling him what he wants to hear. He's telling him what the Lord has told him to tell the king. In verse 20, it says, uh, so now please listen, my lord, the king. May my, uh, may my petition come before you. Don't send me back to the house of Jonathan the scribe or I will die there. So Jonathan's house, they had converted into a prison, and that's where Jeremiah was. And so he's making a plea uh, uh, to Zedekiah, you know, don't send me back there. So <laughs> Zedekiah brings him out. He gives Zedekiah a bad word. And then um, from Zedekiah's uh, perspective, he gives him a bad word. And then Jeremiah says, oh, by the way, don't send me back there. I might die there. And you know what Zedekiah does? He says, so King Zedekiah gave orders and Jeremiah was placed in the guard's courtyard. Zedekiah did not send him back. <laughs> he didn't send him. And so I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't he send him? He, he brings him out, gives him a bad word. You would think that maybe he's mad at him and wants to send him back to jail. But that's not what he did. So there's a degree of honor in Zedekiah, you know, and so this is kind of the, the human condition, right? So we can have people that behave righteously in some instances and evil and wickedly in other instances. And so there's this dichotomy that goes on in many people's lives, I'd say in most people's lives, you know, and so that's what we're seeing, in my opinion, um, with regard to what Zedekiah is doing. And so let's go on to chapter 38. And it says in chapter 38, Jeremiah thrown into the cistern. And so in verse 2, this is what the Lord says. Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, and plague, but whoever surrenders to the Chaldeans will live. He will retain his life like the spoils of war and will live. In other words, the Lord is saying whoever gives up, whoever defects to the Chaldeans, you'll live. And so this is what the Lord is telling the people to do. And in many cases, that doesn't seem honorable, but this is what the Lord is telling people to do. Defect. Save yourself, and this is what will happen. Verse 4, the official said to the king, this man ought to die. This man, Jeremiah, ought to die. Why? Because he is weakening the morale of the warriors who remain in this city and all of the people by speaking to them in this way. The man is not pursuing the welfare of this people, but their harm. And so from their perspective, Zedekiah was, I mean, excuse me, Jeremiah was doing wrong by the people. 
He was a traitor. And so he should die. That was their perspective. But King Zedekiah said, uh, here he is. He's in your hands since the king can't do anything against you. So the king is like saying, okay, you think he should die here? You know, so he's being weak. Then it says in verse 6, so they took Jeremiah and dropped him into the cistern, um, dropped him into the cistern, which was in the guard's courtyard, lowering um, Jeremiah with ropes. There was no water in the cistern, only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. So it was like quicksand, I guess, you know, so he's sinking down. But, but Ebed-Melech, this is apparently an honorable man, but Ebed-Melech, uh, um, a Cushite court official in the king's palace heard Jeremiah had been put into the cistern while the king was sitting at the Benjamin gate. Ebed-Melech um, went from the king's palace and spoke to the king. And what he said, he said, my lord, the king, these men have been evil in all they have done to the prophet Jeremiah. He said, this is wrong. They have dropped him into the cistern where he will die from hunger because there is no more bread in the city. In verse 10, it says, so the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Cushite, take, uh, take from here 30 men under your authority and pull the prophet Jeremiah up from the cistern before he dies. And it says, uh, verse 13, they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern, but he remained in the guard's courtyard. So they saved his life. Then it says, uh, the next section says Zedekiah's final meeting uh, with, wait, Zedekiah's final meeting with Jeremiah. So this is the final time that they're going to meet. Verse 14, King Zedekiah sent for the prophet Jeremiah and received him at the third entrance of the Lord's temple. The king said to Jeremiah, I am going to ask you something. Don't hide anything from me. And it says in verse 17, uh, Jeremiah therefore said to Zedekiah, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. If you, or if indeed you surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then you will live. The city will not be burned and your household will survive. But if you do not surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then the city will be handed over to the Chaldeans. They will burn it and you yourself will not escape from them. So again, he's telling them something that's similar that he prophesied before. Surrender. Turn yourselves in because this invasion and takeover is going to happen. <clears throat> so, you know, do what I'm telling you to do. And then in verse 28, it says, Jeremiah remained in the guards' courtyard until the day Jerusalem was captured, and he was there when it happened. And finally, we're going to conclude with chapter 39 here, and it says, the fall of Jerusalem to Babylon. In the ninth year of King Zedekiah of Judah, in the tenth month, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced, his, uh, advanced against Jeru Jerusalem with his entire army and laid siege to it. In the fourth month of Zedekiah's eleventh year, on the ninth day, um, on the ninth day of the month, the city was broken into. All the officials of the king of Babylon entered and sat at the middle gate. So they broke through in this time frame, and then all the officials of Babylon went and they sat in the center of the city, essentially signifying we have taken over. This city is now ours. In verse four, when King Zedekiah of Judah and all the fighting men saw them, they fled. They left the city at night by the way of the king's garden through the city gate between the two walls. They left along the route to the Arabah. In verse 5, however, the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. They arrested him and brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon's king, at Riblah in the land of Hamath. 
the king passed sentence on him there. And so they tried to escape Zedekiah and his officials, uh, but the Chaldeans chased him down and they caught him. They brought him to Nebuchadnezzar, who was in another nearby city, and that's where Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar passed judgment on them. And it says in verse 6, At Riblah, the king of Babylon slaughtered Zedekiah's sons before his eyes, and he also slaughtered all Judah's nobles. Wow. Verse 7, Then he blinded Zedekiah and put him in bronze chains to take him to Babylon. So he essentially is treating the king of, of, of Judah like his pet. You know, says, okay, now you're mine. In verse 8, the Chaldeans next burned down the king's palace and the people's houses and tore down the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guards, uh, deported the rest of the people to Babylon. And so we have the general, if you will, of the army back in Jerusalem. He's gathering up all the people, chaining them up, and sending them back to Babylon. In verse 10, it says, however, Nebuzaradan, Nebuzaradan, but Nebuzaradan, uh, the captain of the guards, left in the land of Judah some of the poor people who owned nothing, and he gave them vineyards and fields at that time. And so essentially they came in, took over the city, and just kind of imagine the homeless people and, and beggars on the street. Then the, then the invading uh, army's general says, okay, here, you can have this house, you have this house, you have this house. And so they were distributing property if you will, to the poor people. Uh, the next section says, Jeremiah freed by Nebuchadnezzar. Speaking through Nebuzaradan, captain of the guards, King uh, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon gave orders concerning Jeremiah. It says, take him and look after him. Don't do him any harm, but do for him whatever he says. Wow, I think so this is the Lord taking care of Jeremiah, his prophet. Jeremiah faithfully prophesied what the Lord would have him prophesy. And so the, the capturing or the conquering king, you know, says, okay, with this dude right here, do whatever he says. Mm. And then it says, um, Nebuzaradan uh, had Jeremiah brought from the guard's courtyard and turned him over to Gedaliah to take him home. So he settled among his own people. So Jeremiah went back to his own folks. These other folks were imprisoned. They were exiled. They're being slaughtered and killed. He goes back and he settles amongst his own people. In verse 15, now the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah when he was confined in the guard's courtyard. Go tell uh, Ebed-Melech, or yeah, Ebed-Melech, the Cushite, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. Now remember, Ebed-Melech was the one who went to Zedekiah and said, look, they've thrown Jeremiah in the cistern and he's going to die if we don't do something. And so then the king allowed him to go and rescue Jeremiah. He says, um, this is what the Lord of army, the God of Israel says. I'm about to fulfill my words for disaster and not good um, against the city. They will take place before your eyes on that day. But I will rescue you on that day. This is the Lord's declaration. So this is the Lord um, talking to Ebed-Melech uh, through Jeremiah. He says, but I will rescue you on that day. This is the Lord's declaration. And you will not be handed over to the men you dread. Indeed, I will certainly deliver you so that you do not fall by the sword. Because you have trusted in me, you will retain your life like a spoils of war. This is the Lord's declaration. So, so we see that the Lord is um, beholden and honors his word for those who trust in him and those who execute 
the commands that he gives to them. And so we can trust him to be faithful. And this is the message, in my opinion. And with that, we're going to pick it up tomorrow with chapter uh, 40 in Jeremiah. Everybody take care again. Uh, just uh, happy new year. And let's look forward to something tremendous in these coming 12 months. Everybody take care. Bye-bye.